All right, if you're anything like me, you hate running out of food on a trip. It's like a big fear, and so I'm I'm a big fan of snacks during an adventure, and one of my absolute favorite go-to snacks are wonderful pistachios. You may be familiar with pistachios and the brand Wonderful Pistachios, but if you're not, they are one of the highest protein nuts out there. One ounce serving of Wonderful Pistachios is six grams of protein. That's 10% of your daily value. It also includes nine essential amino acids, and they come with a ton of different flavors, varieties. There's a spicy version, there's lightly salted, there's no salted, there's so many. And every time I go on an adventure, I not even lying, I take an entire bag with me. And what's cool too, I love having the wonderful pistachio in shell because then that almost gives me something to do and focus on as I'm paddling or biking through the really monotonous parts of the adventure. Every great adventure is going to have plenty of boring moments and it's nice to have something to do and also something that is giving you some fuel like wonderful pistachios. So they're one of my favorite adventure snacks, favorite road trip snacks, and definitely leave me feeling better than a lot of other snacks you can turn to. So if you want to learn more about how to fuel your next adventure with wonderful pistachios, go to wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Rodeo season is going to be kicking off soon, and you know, I I like the rodeo. I like going to the rodeo. I like going to cattle auctions and all sorts of those activities, and I want to look the part while I'm there. I love Tecovis as my go-to boots company, and if you've ever been in one of their stores, it's an amazing experience. Their motto is, don't go gently. They are my favorite cowboy boot, and they bring a fresh perspective to heritage boot making, and they carry forward all those time-honored traditions and quality you will find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they're innovative on comfort, style, and service. They have Western boots for men and women and are handmade from the most premium leather and follow over 200 time-honored individual steps in their boot-making process. Pretty cool. They're Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade. And if you want to go to one of their stores, it is an amazing experience. They take customer service to a whole new level. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. And as a special opportunity just for you listeners, Tecovis is going to throw in their best-selling trucker hats or a ball cap for free into any purchase over $100 at tecovis.com. Just use the code ADVENTURE at checkout. Again, that's Tecovis, T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com, and use the code ADVENTURE at checkout to add a free hat to your order over $100. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The NerdWallet Smart Money Podcast has helped me plan for my tax bill so I don't dread April every year, balancing my budget for this show, and helping me financially plan for my next adventure. You can listen to NerdWallet Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Hey folks, welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Mason. Today's guest, Heather Bolin, is quite an adventure. She's done the Appalachian Trail, the Pacific Crest Trail, 
By the way, she's going to share some pretty funny stories about the Appalachian Trail. In his paddled the 100-mile Everglades wilderness, hiked a 1,000 miles on the beach around the, basically around the border of Florida. Has done just so many cool, unique adventures, uh, and today's is no exception. We're, she's going to, we're going to be talking about paddling the intercoastal waterway uh, on the American East Coast, and specifically uh, the Low Country, which is kind of the coast of, of Georgia and parts of South Carolina and also parts of North Florida. Uh, but what she did, she started at her mom's house. She got this idea to paddle from her mom's house, which is in Georgia on the on the coast, down to her dad's house, which is in Florida. It's like 400 miles apart. She wanted to paddle it, and she thought the idea was crazy, and her dad finally uh, basically woke up from a coma. He was sick and said, you should do that. And so after he passed, unfortunately, in 2022, she was able to do this adventure in honor of him and it was just a beautiful adventure. I, I love adventures that are one of one. You know, there isn't tons of people doing it. There's a huge personal connection. And it was solo. Like, it's such a incredible moment of growth and, and self-reliance. And it's just some of my favorite types of adventures. So she's going to tell us about this. She was on her way down to her job in Key West. And she pulled over on the side of the road. Thank you so much, Heather. So if you want to follow Heather on Instagram, you can just look uh, for the chickens. Yeah, it's a great follow, great stories, amazing pictures of this adventure. Like I'm telling you, I always tell you when you listen, go look at the pictures of the things we're talking about. It helps put it into perspective. And this one is definitely, if you don't know much about the intercoastal waterway or the low country, uh, please go look that up. It's such an underappreciated adventure and nature destination, in my opinion. All right, let's go ahead and dive in. All right, folks, welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. Super stoked about this one. I usually, my first question is always, where are you coming from? And is that home for you? I know the answer and I know that's not home, but why don't you, why don't you answer it? First of all, welcome. And where are you coming from? Yes. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm excited to be here. Um, yes, I am coming to you from my car, which is a type of home for me at times throughout my life. Uh, but I am driving from Lake Worth, Florida, down to Key West for my job down there for the winter. So I am right now just parked on the side of the interstate. Side of the interstate, having a, I've I've recorded a few of these episodes in my car and in my truck, and uh, yeah, it's a fun it's a fun experience. <laughs> I haven't done it in a while, but thank you so much for for making the time. I know we had to adjust a little bit, and I'm sorry about that. And uh, but we'll make we'll, we're going to make this awesome. Well, well, tell us. How recently did you finish your most recent adventure from paddling from St. Simmons Island to Lake Worth? Less than a week ago, <sighs> I finished. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going through? What are you thinking about right now? Oh, wow. Um, quite a lot. To be honest, I felt like I processed a lot of the kayaking trip while I was still on it because as soon as I hit ground and finished that trek I I knew I had to just get ready and start rolling to get going on my next adventure so it's been it's been a lot of kind of moving forward getting into sort of different uh different mindset different you know change of pace 
going down to work on a sailboat as a deckhand wow. in Key West. Yeah. Jeez. Well, what tell tell us about why this adventure? Because you've done a lot of big adventures, including some that that were much like, frankly, longer than this. Uh, you, you've you've had some amazing experiences from the AT to the PCT to a thousand miles around Florida hiking like the perimeter. That that is wild. I don't I don't think I've ever heard of that. Um, I'd love to hear more about that too. But w- why this adventure and starting where you started and ending where you ended? Sure. So I was inspired to do this paddling adventure probably about seven years ago now. Uh, so my, I, I was born and raised in Maine, and that's where I spent the most part of my life. Uh, my dad moved down to St. Simon's Island in Georgia probably about 13 years ago. My mom moved down to Lake Worth, Florida about seven years ago. And at one point, I just remember joking around with them because they both ended up getting places that were on the Intracoastal Waterway. Mm-hmm. And many people don't know, but that is a navigable waterway for people who choose not to sail or travel in the ocean, but a little bit inland. So they're protected Mm -hmm. and it goes up the East coast. And so I thought at the time I said, Oh, wouldn't that be funny if I paddled between your guys's places and they weren't such fans of that at the time. <laughs> That's um, funny. Uh, probably just thought it was, you know, just a, another crazy idea of mine. Didn't really think much of it. And so I didn't really think much of it at the time. I was just was joking around with them. I didn't even know if it was truly possible. But then my my dad passed away last year. And prior to that, he had gotten a, a stroke. Uh, about five years prior and when he came to he was sort of in a comatose stage for a while and he came to and he was still in the hospital and out of the blue you know he started talking again and and he just said I think you should still do that paddling trip and it was just so poignant to me because I hadn't really been thinking about it Mm -hmm. and it meant a lot that he was thinking about it and it was almost one of the first things he was thinking about after this sort of traumatizing experience he had and in the hospital and so I kind of started thinking a little bit more serious about it since then and then so after he passed you know I've always gone into nature for kind of healing and as a way to process emotions and so I felt like doing this paddling trip would be a perfect opportunity for that um it took a lot of planning uh, a lot of logistics so it took probably about a a year um for me to actually to do it and once i set my mind to it uh, but that was where the original inspiration came from and just a a way to connect my my parents homes (laughs) from door to door yep that is so cool um that area the low country in Georgia is I've, I've biked through it one time and just on the roads, of course, and it was breathtaking. And I just think, how have I not heard more about this area? And you were starting this trip up in that area. What, what were you anticipating like coming across? Like it, 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 you truly do get to stay intercoastal the whole time. 
did it did it seem like a daunting adventure to you compared to the other things you'd done I definitely felt daunted by this particular adventure because I was doing it solo and because it's not a popular thing to do so I didn't see anyone else out there doing what I was doing (laughs) Um, there, there were some kayakers I would see here and there, but they were either out fishing or they were just doing short little recreational paddles. Uh, but it's not like hiking the Appalachian trail or the Pacific crest trail where you see other people hiking and they're all doing what you're doing. So it's easier to make friends or not feel as alone, but this was definitely something that was new to me. Um, I had worked as a kayaking and stand-up paddleboard tour guide in Florida a couple of years ago. I used to do bioluminescence and dolphin and manatee tours in the Titusville cocoa area. So I was I felt experienced as far as paddling goes, but I had never done a long distance paddle before. Um, so I wasn't quite sure, you know, how long I could paddle for, how far I could paddle what it was going to do to my body. <laughs> so it was whole new territory. And it, it, yeah, it was something that I felt very much alone in, but it was also a great challenge. So I, I loved the idea of just kind of being out there on my own, doing something that was completely out of my wheelhouse as far as something that um, been accustomed to doing before, like hiking. Mm -hmm. example Mm -hmm. what is one of the first things you saw that you didn't expect to see because I feel like with it being unknown you might have you know there's no way to know like what you might come across there's of course a lot you can gain from reading about other people's experience but what's something that that really surprised you early on southeast Georgia was beautiful it's a lot of marshlands it was very desolate though I hardly saw any other people out there um when you're in Florida on the intracoastal waterway there's a lot of boaters and most of what people see of the intracoastal waterway is from the causeways when they're driving over the bridges to get to the beaches and it's very busy and there's development and there's boaters but especially the southeast Georgia section was just you know just nature um no buildings. I saw, you know, a fishing boat maybe once every two hours. It was, it was definitely kind of a trial by fire because I had to paddle basically 20, 22 miles to get to a campsite. (laughs) On the first day? On the first day. (laughs) (laughs) And I did not know, like I was saying, like how fast I could paddle and, you know, what type of um, tides I might run into because you have to deal a lot more with tides in that sort of um, estuary yeah. uh, part of part of the intercoastal. And, um, but there's so many oyster beds up in that area. So it makes it very difficult to just sort of pull over with your kayak and, and get out and, you know, camp on an island because, there really wasn't any type of opportunity like that. It was all just kind of muddy marshland that would get flooded when the tide rose and then just tons of razor sharp oyster beds everywhere. So I was afraid just to get out of my kayak 
you know, <laughs> anywhere <laughs> along that section um, until I finally came across a few sort of old kind of oyster shell beds and just these little tiny shoal, these little islands that were just made from old oyster shells. And so that was, that was, I think, something that made it feel a bit more daunting and, you know, put more pressure on me from the very beginning is okay. I, I, <laughs> so like, oh, well, day gonna... one was yeah. already a huge challenge. And, and I've heard other adventures too talk about those tides being so challenging did did you have to time it with anything did you did you have to plan on the tides or did you just say i'm i'm you know i'm gonna paddle during the day and you know do my regular day and whatever i do i do yeah it was basically that mindset of i might run into you know a, a tide that's against me but i'm just gonna have to paddle harder because I knew that I didn't have much daylight. And that's the other part of doing, you know, adventures this time of the year is mm-hmm. you have a, a short window of, of daylight. And so as soon as I got up in the morning, I would start paddling and whether the tides were with me or against me, it was more just kind of a matter of, of luck um, because it also just depended on which part of the intercoastal you were in, if you were in a more narrow um, part versus a, a wider section, if you were closer to an inlet or not. Um, so they, they would change frequently just, you know, um, in one day, depending on where I was. And at first I tried to gauge you know, my day as much as I could on the tides. But again, it was just sort of one of those things where I just had to get up early in, in the morning and just get started and whatever happened, happened. You know, the, the wind also ended up being a major factor, um, even more so than the tides. And and that would, that would affect me more so when I got further south in Florida. Unbelievable. We'll, we'll, we'll take us through this. The second day was another 22 mile trek where you starting to yeah. think oh gosh this is <laughs> this is gonna be tough that, you know I, I paddle a lot and that that's a that's a decent amount of, you know that's like putting 22 miles in a hike it's a long day it's a very long day yeah and, and I would I would start off in the morning when it was quiet you know the winds were calmest in the morning and it was nice and and I would be ready to go have my motivation and then usually by the middle of the day, that's when the winds would pick up, it would get harder. And that's also typically when your motivation would start going down, <laughs> which I found with through hiking as well. I, I felt like the, the morning was always the time where I was pumped up, ready to go, excited for the day. And then the middle of the day is when you start to dip a little bit and you get a little bit tired and you're not quite sure if you can do it anymore. And you start thinking to yourself, why am I out here? <laughs> And what am I doing with my life? All those questions start coming to your mind. And then by the end of the day or later in the afternoon, you just, all you're focused on is, all right, where am I going to set up camp for the night? And how am I going to get there before it gets dark? It just, you, you kind of turn into more survival mode. What What was one of your favorite campsites? I, I, there's so many good pictures on your Instagram. And I, I having experienced some of these, similar places but not like doing what you've done it is there is something so magical about 
an evening on a beach on an island that you're all alone on and camping. It's just something very, very special about that. Did, did you have many of those nights? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that first night in Georgia when I just camped on that little oyster shell mound, <laughs> that was just spectacular. It was beautiful. This bald eagle came and perched on this dead tree near my tent, which I felt was, was symbolic. You know, it just made me think of my dad, uh, that he was there looking out over me. And, and it was so peaceful and quiet at night. All I could hear was just the waves lapping on the shore. And every once in a while, you'll hear <clears throat> dolphins, like a puff of the dolphin breathing, is because they typically tend to hunt um, earlier in the evening. And there, there are just so many beautiful little beachy islands in the intracoastal waterway that I think a lot of people don't realize. And I found that also when I paddled down, uh, if you have Everglades and the 10,000 islands, it's very similar down there as well. And I think that a lot of, a lot of Floridians and a lot of people who, you know, come here to do adventures, they don't realize that because, I mean, I, hardly ever saw anybody out there <laughs> I always had these little islands all to myself when I was camping and I would see people out there during the day and they would you know pull their boat up to one of the islands and and hang out there for um during the daytime but there's such perfect little campsites at night too just you know very calm and peaceful and you feel like you're a world away even though you have development around you that's funny you mentioned that about the dolphins blowing air out at, at night because, you you know, things calm down so much at night. Not every night, of course, but a lot of nights it'll be calm and quiet and you hear a little bit of ocean water lapping on the beach. But you you hear some sound. You're like, what in the world is that? And it can it, you can hear the, them blowing air quite a ways away. And uh, mm -hmm. most nights when I go out on the beach and it's quiet and calm, especially in an intercoastal waterway where there's definitely no waves. You, you, you do hear it off in the distance, and uh, that's, that's cool that you, you heard that as well. It's, it's a really neat experience. Manatees, too. You can hear them breathing sometimes, and sounds beautiful. So, you know, how are you adjusting to being alone? Did it did, – because your other adventures, like through hikes, were you typically with others or started with others? How, how did that work? Let's take a quick message break and hear from the folks that help make this show possible. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. The iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design. The exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing. The interior is built with robust materials and integrity, and the capability is legendary. Whether you're facing off-road challenges or harsh weather conditions, the Defender 110 lets you go further and do more. Durability has been tested to the extreme. Cargo capacity means you have room for all your gear. All this meaning to drive the Defender is to explore with greater confidence. And there's also powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system to keep you connected. And also the innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering. And the entire Defender family is ready for a wide range of adventures. They have the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. So push what's possible with a vehicle made to go further. The Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com. 
dot com forward slash defender. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell anything online at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million dollars in revenue stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're a podcaster trying to sell merch or selling autographed sports memorabilia, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one commerce platform to their personal POS system, Shopify has got you covered. Now, I do use Shopify with my day job. That's our website, and that's our platform. It's so handy. It makes it easy for us on the back end. It makes it easy for you as a shopper and as a customer to sell more. And they can help you all the way from those early, early days until you're a real business, making real money. And that's what I love about them. No matter how big you want to grow, they can grow with you and help you take control your business to get it to that next level. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ASP, all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash ASP to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash ASP. That is plenty of that for now. Let's get back into the episode. Yes and no. Um, on my through hikes, because I did both of them southbound, it's a lot less popular than going northbound. So you tend to be alone more often, um, at least during the day. Um, at night, there's usually you know one or two other people at a campsite. But doing the intracoastal waterway again, where where there's really nobody else out there. <laughs> kayaking alongside you you're not meeting other kayakers along the way it was definitely a solitary experience but I found myself really enjoying it because um I felt like I was connecting to a side of myself that I don't get to connect to very often because usually in our everyday lives we're so bombarded by um just just distractions, you know, whether it's just other people around us or our environments or our phones. But when you're out doing an adventure on your own, you just have your own thoughts. Um, and of course, I, I would listen to music sometimes when I was paddling, especially if I needed sort of like an extra boost or encouragement. I would listen to music or, you know, podcasts even. Um, sometimes it would be a, you know, just a a boring stretch or just you know tough for me to to push myself so then I would listen to something to kind of help the the hours go by but but I I love the the challenge of it I love thinking of my feet having to be strategic every day looking at the weather every day thinking about what I was going to do for water and food pretty much every day and shelter you know how far I was going to paddle so there's there's never really a moment where you're not 100% in tune with yourself you know and and you know you find yourself talking to yourself sometimes <laughs> um but it, it's I don't know it's really eye-opening and and I kind of miss that version of myself and who I was out there <clears throat> You know, you, I know you weren't alone with the AT for for a while because you had a you had a rooster with you. Can you tell us that story? Yeah, that's... where you got your name? 
That was a good segue. segue. <laughs> yeah, so I, I started the Appalachian Trail alone. Um, also, just not really knowing what I was doing and just kind of seeing how how it goes. And um, I got to, I think it was Maryland. And there was a, uh, a rooster. There was a fancy um Polish crested rooster people like show them Mm -hmm. and he was out in the middle of the woods by himself so it was unusual to see you know a rooster uh, or chicken on its own and especially in the woods and I kind of just stopped there for about 30 minutes and I looked around and I kind of just sat and observed him and see if he would you know eat some trail mix that I had and I was just like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this rooster, but I, I grew up with chickens mm-hmm. um, as pets, so I, I knew how to handle them. So I did not have any cell phone service. So I didn't have any any way of calling for help, and and I just decided to scoop him up and hike with him. And I ended up hiking with him for 42 miles. What what did it, what did he do when you grabbed him? Was he just like okay? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he had been out there for a few days. I found out later. Oh gosh. Because other hikers had seen him and just, you know, kept mm. going because they didn't know what to do. And and it was one of those situations where you you always think like, oh, maybe somebody else will know what to do. Mm-hmm. And then I was that somebody else <laughs> where it's like, I knew what to do. <laughs> um, so I'm like, all right, I, I have to do, I have to do this. And um, you know, he was, he was a little bit weakened, a little bit probably scared of just like being out there on his own. So it wasn't too hard to catch him. And then I just kind of held him under one arm and, um, altogether we were just hiking for two days. Um, but he's, he slept with me in my tent and how did that go? It was fine. Actually, <laughs> it's, just... it's probably like, this is way better than the alternative of being out here on my own, <laughs> trying to survive as a chicken. <laughs> Yeah, he didn't seem to mind. Uh, I fed him, you know, some oatmeal that I had. And I would try to set him down every once in a while while I was hiking to see if he wanted to, you know, eat some grass or um, drink some water. But at the time, I was able to call my boyfriend who met us in Harpers Ferry, West Virginia. Mm -hmm. And we brought him to a a farm animal sanctuary called Poplar Springs. And he's actually still living there today. Wow. Um, So he's, you know got a happy healthy life and and it was it was quite an experience hiking with a rooster everybody wanted to stop and ask me questions oh about him <laughs> I, I bet it was i bet you hardly could could go people wanted to stop and ask what in the world's going on yeah and it the news traveled <laughs> quickly a lot of other hikers heard about it and then various media organizations heard about it and wanted to call me for interviews because it was just such a, a bizarre story um, but my trail name originally was Mama Duck. Um, and then once this happened, one of my my hiker friends said that my name should be Mama Cluck. Now. <laughs> so, so ever since then, yeah. <laughs> Mama Cluck and in, in your, your Instagrams for the chickens. Is that reference to that too? Uh, that was actually reference earlier to that. <laughs> <laughs> so this was like destined. Yeah, chickens just have a way of finding me. Golly. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I 
like I was saying, I grew up with chickens as pets and they are what influenced me to become vegetarian when I was about 10 years old and then became vegan about 10 years ago. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's just, I felt like they, they kind of shaped the trajectory of my life and kind of made me think about, you know, other species and our relationships to them and and I ended up working for a farm animal protection organization and advocating, you know, against factory farms and so forth. Um, so it's it's always been, chickens especially, have always been kind of near and dear to my heart just because I, I feel like they, they kind of helped open my eyes to what I find um, purpose for in the world. Ever since that experience, are you... I mean, do you look for the next chicken? Do you look for the next animal to kind of that wants to hop aboard the adventure? Uh, Or is it just kind of like, hey, if it happens again, it happens again, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to force anything. (laughs) Yeah, it's more the latter. If it happens again, it happens again. Yeah. Funny. Well, Well, I saw some pictures from this adventure near, I think it was Cumberland Island, some horses on the beach. Uh, I didn't expect to see that. Was there anything like that where you're like, whoa, did, didn't think I'd see? I saw a chandelier hanging from, I think, was some mangroves or something at one point. Like, there's, I'm sure you came across some random stuff. Yeah, I I had heard that there were wild horses on Cumberland Island, um, but I had never made it out there. So this is my first time camping on the island. It's beautiful. Just gorgeous trails. You know, you have the live oaks and the Spanish moss and but yeah, the wild horses were amazing. <laughs> yeah, the chandelier was pretty humorous. That was probably the strangest thing I've seen. Kind of washed up on an island or hanging in the trees. I I I did find a duck decoy. Speaking of birds, the duck decoy kind of became my mascot for the rest of the kayaking trip, and I attached it to the the front, so sort of like kayak bowsprit, you might say, and uh, and sort of help me, you know, give me positive thoughts for staying afloat like a duck. I did see dolphins every day that I was out there, except for my last two days around Palm Beach. But otherwise, every day of the intracoastal, there are dolphins. Um, Oh, lots of manatees, um, especially in the Indian River Lagoon. And probably one of my most exciting wildlife observations was I saw some flamingos. Oh, yeah. Tell, that's that's a rarity. I know. I was very excited because I'm I'm part of a few different birding groups on Facebook, and I remember seeing that people had been spotting these flamingos over the last several months uh, because of a hurricane that came through Florida this summer, and it actually blew a lot of flamingos off course that were migrating between Mexico and Cuba. And so people have been seeing them around Florida, which they actually used to be native to Florida. Yep. Which is why, you know, you see so many t-shirts and tourist stuff that have flamingos in Florida, but they're not as populous as, uh, I don't know, a lot, a lot of tourists might think they used to be not anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Used to only, I mean, you know, ever since their populations were kind of decimated during the the bird plumage trade, late 1800s, they they've really only been seen in in zoos or wildlife parks. Um, so they have not been 
out in the wild, but it's amazing that they are kind of making a, a comeback now. Um, but I did not expect to see them on the East Coast or, you know, as far north as the Indian River Lagoon up near Titusville and Cape Canaveral. But there were, there was a, a flock of four, four flamingos um, on a little island up there that's a bird sanctuary. And I was so blown away to see them just so excited um so that was probably one of my my favorite um sort of unexpected sights from the trip unbelievable so so you know i know i know you're relatively fresh off this experience what what do you think is one of the lasting impressions that this adventure will have on you i know there's a, a deeper meaning to this it sounds like you know this being kind of in honor of your father. There's 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 quite a bit of meeting there. Uh, what, what what do you think will be a lasting impression or a lesson you've learned from from this adventure? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. I would say that if you set your mind to something, that you can achieve it. And I know that sounds cliche, but this is really a testament to that because it was just sort of this idea that I had and, and just decided to make it come to fruition. And at the time, not even knowing that there was, you know, like a, a paddling trail that goes around Florida and there are resources out there for people who do want to do that. Um, but it was something that I just kind of mapped out on my own and did all the logistics and planning for on my own. And then um, as soon as I got in the water that first day off St. Simon's Island, I, I definitely had a, an emotional experience because it was sort of like, wow, like I did it. I made this happen. Got in the water and like, all right, now I just have to paddle. But <laughs> yeah, the the hard part was, you know, the years worth of planning that it took to get up to that point. And it was just one of those realizations that, you know, like if you, if there's something that you really want and you really set your mind to it and you focus and and you do all the necessary steps to plan and make it happen. It's, you know, there's a very high likelihood that you can make these things happen. And, and it was such a, a beautiful and much needed experience and a very calming experience. I will say I felt very, very much at peace with many aspects, if not all aspects of my life while I was out there on the water, because you're just, it, you're just living in the moment hmm. you're you're just very much in the present and it was something that yeah I, I just I felt like I, I needed that for some clarity and just to help sort of like calm my mind my emotions and and um so it was even though it was it was hard work for sure very physically difficult um and a lot of planning like I was saying but all in all, it was it was a very um, kind of uh, yeah a clearing experience of, of the mind. I would say. Did you expect that? No, I didn't. You know, I didn't really. Well, I didn't really know what to expect, but um, <laughs> but I didn't realize that it would have that kind of um, peaceful effect on me. Yeah, I think that was that was something I, I didn't really know what happened, but you know, it's, it's similar to through hiking where you're, you're out, you're exercising every day. You've got fresh air every day. You're sleeping outside. 
And so all of that's, you know, going to give you endorphins and um, kind of boost your mood. But yeah, it's, it's just, there's something about getting out there on the water, especially um, where it's just, just you and the elements, you kind of just have to surrender to everything. And, and, and there's something about when you do an adventure that there's not a guidebook for, and there's not, you know, an annual list of completion for, if you feel like, you know, there's obviously people have done similar things or like, you know, there's, there's resources to learn, like you were saying, but no one's done exactly what you're about to do. And especially the way you're doing it, it, it is, and it is a really empowering experience. Uh, and not that doing a through hike or doing a race isn't, but there's something really different when you when you have to put in all the planning yourself and logistics and you, there there isn't like anyone waiting at the finish line that's like all right you did this thing you get your belt buckle or you get this it's 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 really unique makes you feel like you can do anything which i'm sure completing the at makes you feel that way too <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> if if you don't mind me asking i i, I want to I, I try, especially with someone with a lot of big adventures like you, I, I don't want, I kind of want to focus on one thing and talk about that just because it's like, how, how do you cover all your adventures in, in an hour? You can't is what I've learned, but you do have another really unique experience I want to talk about. And that's, that's walking around the perimeter of Florida uh, and picking up trash. Can, can you tell me what that, what that adventure was and when you, when you did that? Yes, that was in 2019, and that was another sort of crazy idea that I had to bring attention to the amount of plastic pollution in our environment, and it was um, it was something that I just, I started, again, kind of researching, see if anybody else had ever done it before. I had never heard of anyone walking the entire coastline of Florida yeah. along the beaches, but I did find someone who had actually walked 400 miles of the east coast doing the same thing which I thought was amazing so I reached out to him and he suggested doing this epic trek together and we had never met <laughs> um so I was like well let's you know have lunch first <laughs> see if, <laughs> you know <laughs> see yeah, if we can too serious yeah let's have lunch see if we can do <laughs> 1200 miles of walking together and yeah, <laughs> but you know, we decided it was something that we could do. Um, so that was something that we both ended up doing the logistics for together. Also took about a year of planning and just meeting up and, you know, discussing how we were gonna do it, you know, how we were gonna get media attention what we were going to do with the plastic that we were picking up off the beaches. Um, but we started at the Florida, Georgia border. So at Fort Clinch. Yep. And then we walked all the way down to Key Biscayne. We would do sort of like a, a leapfrogging thing with, with our trucks. So we would pick up bags. Uh, we use burlap bags, so not plastic bags to pick up all the plastic that we were finding on the beaches. And then we would stow them at different places along A1A, the road along mm -hmm. the beach there. And then we would get a ride, whether it was Uber or somebody we met on the beach who we would talk with. And then they would offer us a ride back up to the truck. And then we would drive, pick up the bags that we had hidden 
and then we would camp for the night um whether it was just sleeping in the truck we actually ended up getting like a little like sleeping sleeper trailer um as well that we towed behind us or or just camping you know tent and then we um had different places uh, along the coastline of florida where we kind of stockpiled all the, the bags of plastic um because we were going to use them at the end for um for like a public display um but we also had a canoe so we would use the canoe to cross the inlets so we would hike the beaches cross the inlets with the canoe figured a way to get the canoe back to the truck <laughs> we got to the everglades and we paddled the 100 mile wilderness waterway via the everglades yep. um picked up as much trash you know plastic as we could while we were doing that in the canoe um that was quite an experience because there's no cell phone service or anything and we had to bring you know 10 days worth of water and food with and then we got to the end of that um, paddling trail resumed walking walked up the gulf coast as much as possible and then it gets into um, just kind of like a lot of mangroves in that the, the big, big bend of Florida. Um, mm-hmm. So we couldn't really walk along that. So we just kind of did as much as we could around that sort of curve of Florida and then all the way up to Pensacola. And then we went around and collected all the, the bags of plastic. We had a kind of a flatbed trailer. We took it to the Florida State Capitol. We got a permit to dump it on this the front steps of how do you get a permit building. to dump trash on the front <laughs> so i saw that picture and i'm like i gotta ask you you, you kept all the trash you collected like the thirty thousand pounds and how did you do that how do you get trash on the florida state capitol steps it's it's you know it's easier than you would think. <laughs> you had to get in line <laughs> no, <I'm just> kidding. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so what what was that conversation or process like it was Honestly, it was just a form that you fill out online to, to do uh, like an event at the state capitol and you describe what your event's going to be. So I told them, you know, typed out, <laughs> we're going to be dumping, you know, three tons of plastic on the front steps and clean it up afterwards. Um, so we got the permit <laughs> and we we did that and we were there for a whole day and and we reached out to various um news reporters and media outlets and they came and did interviews with us and basically we were trying to get the attention of Florida state uh lawmakers and and try to change some of the legislation in Florida to ban single-use plastics or at least certain single-use plastics from coastal municipalities mm-hmm. uh, because you know the beaches are some of Florida's you know like biggest revenue source you know everyone comes to Florida to go to the beaches and they're just getting trashed and there's just more and more plastic ending up on the beaches every year granted you know a lot of it does wash up on the beach from the Gulf Stream and it's not all coming from the shore um from you know people or businesses along the shoreline but just the you know plastic in general is just becoming pervasive in our environment so we were trying to bring awareness to that however as you can imagine that is an uphill battle in florida to try to convince businesses to get rid of single-use plastics so 
Let's take a quick message break and hear from the folks that help make this show possible. If you're like me, you have a lot of things you love to do, but you're not always 100% focused at getting those things done. Maybe you drink too much coffee like I do. You have ambitions that maybe exceed your ability to focus or ability to have the energy and to, to balance it all. Well, if you're like me with that, I have found that Magic Mind really helps me be productive. And what they do, it's a little shot of this green liquid that's Basically, it's incredibly refreshing, but it helps me focus. It's full of really wonderful things that can help me cut back on some of the coffee I've been drinking too much of lately. And it's so easy. I just open it up, take the shot, recycle the container, and it makes me feel more productive and focused. It's also had really great effects on my sleep, and I'm able to bring more creative thoughts and energy into producing this podcast. And also, as someone that's not always on top of their nutrition, this is really helpful for me to make sure I'm getting really good, high-quality ingredients in my body. So if you're interested to learn more or to try Magic Mind, go to magicmind.com. That's magic, M-A-G-I-C, mind, M-I-N-D.com slash adventure sports. And to get 50% off your subscription for the next 10 days, use the code adventuresports20. After the 10 days... The discount is always 20% off, but you can get 50% right now. But you only got 10 days to get it. Again, magicmind.com slash adventuresports. That is plenty of that for now. Let's get back into the episode. You know, I often say here, you know, Florida's environment is our economy. So if our environment, and this goes for a lot of places, if our environment isn't doing well and it's trashed and whatnot. Well, guess what's going to happen to the economy? All the things we enjoy about Florida now and you know what our economy enjoys, tourists and folks coming to experience these beaches, they're not going to want to come if there's trash everywhere. They're not going to want to come if there's red tide. They're not going to want to be here if we don't take care of this place. So it, it, it is in the best interest of businesses too to make these changes before before it's too late and they suffer. Absolutely. So no, I, I think it's an amazing initiative. You also did this barefoot. Am I correct? Or, or a lot of it? A lot of it barefoot. I did um, I did have to wear shoes for a time because I actually started getting tendonitis in my feet oh, <laughs> from gosh. going barefoot. Did it? Was it hard to walk at an angle? Was that yes. a challenge? <laughs> yes. Because because the beach when I when I've taken long walks on the beach, you walk at an angle because the 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 beach actually slopes down to the water in a lot of places and. You know, usually you get to balance it out because whenever you walk down the beach, you walk back. But y'all were going around, so you were kind of at the same slope every day. Did that affect things being a through hiker? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a, a very interesting observation <laughs> that most people don't think about. But yeah, you do kind of feel sort of offset <laughs> after a while, like wow. your hips are, you know, uh, not level anymore. So it was. Yeah, I mean, you do get used to it. So okay. after a while, it wasn't something that was affecting us as far as just like our, our walking gait. Uh, but just, you know, walking in the sand is difficult. That's a workout mm-hmm. in itself. So did, did you yeah. uh, did you discover any beaches that were like, wow, this is amazing. Never, never heard about this. Oh, all the time. Yeah, just, <laughs> I mean, again, like. Florida has so many hidden gems that a lot of people just do not know about. And 
especially, um, well, I mean, even like Cape Canaveral National Seashores, mm-hmm. gorgeous, you know, about 20 miles of undeveloped coastline. Um, beautiful. Also, no cell phone service out there. Um, again, the Everglades, the 10,000 Islands, that area was beautiful. Hardly saw anyone. Um, along the Gulf Coast, Anna Maria Island was amazing. That's my local um, beach. Really? Okay. Coquina, Longbow Key, Bradenton Beach, all that. That's that's the closest. We do have. You probably missed. Uh, how, how did you How did you get from like say Anna Maria to? I guess you'd go to Fort DeSoto, which is north of there. Like you you paddle between or paddle. go around. Yeah, we paddle the canoe um, wow. all the way up. <laughs> that's amazing. All the way out there, walk around the island, um, pick up as much as we could, paddle back um yeah it was it was pretty wild um it's one of those things i think where sometimes almost the less you know is better in certain (laughs) situations because then you're not as worried about things that could go wrong or (laughs) um i mean it's good to be prepared of course but looking back now i'm just like wow i can't believe we did some of these things like you know paddling through the everglades we didn't know that we needed to have navigational charts like boat charts neither of us were really boat people mm-hmm. so the only only thing we had to navigate was the everglades national park map that they give you like at the visitor <laughs> center <laughs> for free <laughs> for free no way what what were you look i mean that's that's awesome one but two yeah that could be scary when you look back and think oh my gosh we were really putting ourselves in danger what what were you looking for just like okay there's the island let's go to that one then we you know, basically set our navigation by the next thing we need to next waypoint. Basically. Yeah. We, we didn't have a GPS. Um, we didn't have one of those, you know, Garmin in reaches at the time or anything. Um, so I was sitting in the front of the canoe and I was sort of the navigation person. So I would just look at the map <laughs> like, all right, I think we have got to go this way. Um, but out there everything looks the same all those islands they're just all mangroves so it's all just flat you know and it's so hard sometimes to even differentiate you know island from island because they all just kind of blend into each other and um we ended up doing sort of like the, the inland route for about half of it and then you can go out to um sort of the outer islands where it's a little bit easier to navigate um the waters are a little bit rougher though but it's not so much in the you know true swamps um over the everglades so amazing experience you know what would you say for this experience i want to i'm going to ask you about this for both experiences because they're so cool 10 years from now somebody asks you what's one of the coolest stories or most amazing experiences from uh, that adventure, what do you think in 10 years you're going to, you know, is going to come to mind is you're going to say like, yeah, this is a really amazing story that happened from that experience. Let's, let's do that question for, uh, the walk around Florida, as well as the paddle on the intercoastal. I would say, I mean, definitely the, the Everglades wilderness water paddling trail stands out to me. It's just something that was really crazy and kind of a, a unique experience to get out there and the 10,000 islands 
just how beautiful it was and how I, I would imagine that area would be similar to maybe how the Florida Keys looked before they got developed. Yeah, I would say just that that area was just stunning um, to see like the, the real, the natural Florida, as they say. And also not any one particular instance, but just the kindness of strangers. It just renews your faith in humanity because we would meet people who, you know, we would tell them what we were doing and they would offer us a place to stay in their house, you know, as complete strangers. We would, you know, they'd put us up for the night. They'd make us dinner. Um, we ran into other people who would pay for a hotel room for us. They would just give us a hundred dollars and we met other people who would, you know, give us rides and just amazing. You know, when you're, when you're out in the world doing that type of adventure, it, it does really surprise you sometimes just the generosity of, of people and complete strangers who don't know you at all, but they believe in you and what you're doing. And so that, that will always stick with me. The kayak paddling trip, I would say just the wildlife, the dolphins, especially they're, they're so playful and they're so intelligent and it just seems like they're just playing with you you know they're just swimming around you I had one experience where a dolphin actually came up right off my bow of my kayak and came up about four times which I had never seen before you know my you know almost two years of of working as a kayak tour guide I'd never seen a dolphin kind of play in like the the bow you know wake um, like they do with boats uh like bigger yeah. boats so that felt very, you know, kind of magical, just like, wow, this, <laughs> you know, you just feel like you have a connection to the world around you. These, these are all really unique experiences, including a lot of the other things you've done, the, the through hikes and, and whatnot. Do, do you, you know, I, I never want an adventurer to feel pressure to answer the question of what's next, you know, and, and if it's nothing, that's completely fine. Uh, but do, do you think about what's next when you're out there or do you just kind of let the adventure come to the mind when it comes to your mind? I would say, yeah, the, the adventures will just come to me when they come to me. Like this paddling trip was something that was on my mind, like I said, for probably seven years. Um, I, I don't have anything else that's kind of been nagging at me right now, except, you know, of course, there's the Continental Divide Trail because once you do the Appalachian Trail and the Pacific Crest Trail, everybody asks if you're going to do the CDT. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that is in my mind of something that would be sort of like a, a natural, you know, next hike. But right now I'm just kind of focused on what's next, you know, working um, for the winter season down in Key West and then afterwards, not quite sure what's next. But no, no big adventures that have kind of been sort of nagging at me or, you know, on the back burner, um, which is why, you know, it, it felt good to do this paddling trip because it was kind of always there in the back of my mind as something that, you know, I teased around at the idea and then I was like, all right, <laughs> you know, I think it's time, I'm finally going to do it because otherwise I'm just going to keep thinking about it and I don't want 20 years to go by and think to myself, oh, I should have done that, you know, when I, when I could have. And, and I feel like for the last several years, I've just kind of been living my life. It's like, all right, I'm just, you know, going to do the things that 
that inspire me and that excite me and you know that sound like fun and they're meaningful to me and just going to do it while I can rather than putting it off because it's you know you just never know and yeah might as well just get out there live your life (laughs) trash the capitol building every chance you get um absolutely (laughs) (laughs) so you know that you know we do have a lot of people that do adventures for a cause and a lot that that you know do it for just just because and you never know who's watching or who's listening or some of the ripple effects or some of the seeds it plants for others. So it sounds like a really impactful adventure, both personally and for uh, awareness for what you were, you were trying to bring awareness to. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, you know, I, I always do like to have sort of a, a bigger purpose or message to, adventures that I go on. My hike on the Appalachian Trail was a fundraiser for the organization I worked for, for the Humane League. Um, This paddle, I did end up creating a little fundraiser on my Instagram page for the Marine Resources Council, um, which is located in Palm Bay on the east coast of Florida. And they are dedicated to restoring the Indian River Lagoon, which is just an amazing section of the intracoastal waterway that's where I saw the flamingos and the highest concentration of dolphins and manatees along the the trek so they're doing good work every day they started in 1983 so they've been around for a while and and they are doing a lot of restoration work trying to make sure that the Indian River Lagoon stays healthy and you know a productive habitat for the wildlife and I'm sure you heard about the the manatee die-off that happened a couple of years ago with the excess fertilizers and nitrates that got into the water and caused the seagrass to not get enough sunlight and die. And, you know, seagrass is the manatee's primary food source. And so a lot of them ended up starving. And so, you know, it's things like that. I mean, like we were touching upon earlier with our wildlife down here in Florida is just so imperative not only intrinsically to the species that depend on it, but also for those of us, you know, humans that live here. And it's, it's just so important that we do what we can to try and tread lightly and really champion for causes that are helping to preserve it. That's awesome. I mean, but what I was going to say, when you look at the history of Florida conservation, any initiative that's been done or any success from the Everglades itself to Springs to anything done what was oftentimes started by a single individual who had the audacity to, to believe they could make a difference uh, or a very small group of people that decided to do something and it just dominoes up. And so I encourage anybody, any, any task, whether it be doing the adventure itself to doing something to help create these places where we actually have the adventures take action in some way because you just never know how it connects the dots and never know what what effect it has later on to somebody else so thanks for doing what you're doing yeah thank you i appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk about it thanks for pulling over on the side of the interstate on your way down to the keys (laughs) that's what made this possible so i appreciate you very much and get back on the road all right enjoy drive safe Thank you. I will. All right. (laughs) Take care. Bye. First of all, 
Thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.